And turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, finishing up this chapter, looking at the message of, or the passage involving Martha and Mary, verses 38 through 42. And as we continue to make our way through Luke, it's, it's helpful to keep in mind the, Luke's stated purpose. Right? He's writing to Theophilus and Christians like him to provide assurance about the things that they had been taught about Jesus. We see that in the, in the prologue, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1. And as a doctor, he was educated, and he understood the importance of providing an orderly account to believers. So Jesus just told the parable in the previous passage of the Good Samaritan to the crowd in answer to this question of a self-righteous lawyer. It served the purpose of both humbling the proud and then also expanding the scope of neighbor to include anyone who is in need. Jesus encouraged lavish and unhindered compassion, a sacrificial love that follows the example of Christ in his love for the church. And so our, our neighbor's needs are vast. Right? Uh, we can be overwhelmed to think about how many ways we can show compassion, even in our own community. So once we begin to serve in a particular ministry, someone is telling us how important another ministry is. We could easily be, go from one ministry to another, trying to satisfy the needs of everyone and really barely make a dent of progress. On top of that, we can quickly burn ourselves out because we have taken no time to truly rest and recover from all the activity. And so it begins as an act of compassion may dissolve into a bitter and disillusioned spirit towards God. So how do we ensure that our compassion for our neighbor does not crowd out our love for God? That's, I think, the point of this passage here. Uh, th- or that's how this, what this passage will answer. How do we ensure that our compassion for our neighbor does not crowd out our love for God? And so before we read this passage, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this brief and short passage and yet a, a powerful passage that teaches us an important principle. Lord, help us as we listen to your word, to take that posture of Mary, to sit at your feet and learn, to desire to grow and be matured by Christ and his word. So Lord, feed us now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear this truth. Soften our hearts to believe it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Amen. This is God's holy word. So the first 
section I want to look at, verses 38 and 39, is, is, is I want to ask the question, do you enjoy listening to Jesus? Do you enjoy listening to Jesus? John tells us that Martha and Mary are from the village of Bethany. We can read that parallel passage in John chapter 11. So we learn that Martha and Mary are from the village of Bethany, and their brother, Lazarus, is the one who Jesus would raise from the dead in John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. It's a village that's located about two miles outside of Jerusalem along the far slope of the Mount of Olives. So it's it's really much closer to Jerusalem than we would imagine Jesus to be at this point in the Gospel of Luke. And so the many commentators have pointed out that uh, that this seems to be out of place chronologically. Jesus doesn't appear to have made it this close to Jerusalem at this point. This is on the same road, in fact, that he talks about the Good Samaritan, that Jerusalem to Jericho road. So they're along that same road, but they're much closer now. Um, so this isn't the first time that we've pointed this out, that Luke is, is more concerned with logical order than chronological order. Um, by placing the event here, Luke is, is making a point. He's making, he's making a significant point. He wants to connect it to the Good Samaritan that we've just heard. So upon hearing such a convicting call to love our neighbor in the previous passage, it's important to balance that out with a call to prioritize listening to Jesus. Too many professional or, or professing Christians you know, become frustrated with the church and then they think that by abandoning the church, they'll become more engaged in loving their neighbor. Like the church isn't doing enough, so I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to serve everyone with this time instead of going to church and wasting my time. Well, typically, when that happens, the, the result is not a growing love for neighbor, but simply a declining church attendance. And that's what we've, what we've seen happening in America, in the Western church, as the parable of the Good Samaritan illustrated love for neighbor, this passage illustrates love for God. And so it'd be easy to fill our time with serving others. Right? There's no end of people to care for, but if that compassion does not flow from a heart that is satisfied in Christ, it will be misguided and short-lived. And so Martha graciously offered to host the, the traveling cohort in her house, verse 38. It, it, we would assume that Martha is the oldest one because of this language, and, and the woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So more than likely, she's the, the one that is hosting this, and so she feels that responsibility to provide this meal for them. And Jesus was often shown hospitality from various social classes. He's found in the homes of a tax collector, of Pharisees, of a leper, and of several of his disciples. So we, we see much of the same in, in Acts as the apostles are traveling. Hospitality was a means of ministry. And much discipleship and fellowship took place over shared meals. You find that in Acts 2.46, that they were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. So Paul could have pointed to her as a positive example um, to this Martha as a positive example of fulfilling his exhortation to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, we read, 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. He encourages the church there in Rome to seek to show hospitality, find ways to, set, to um, meet the needs of the saints, contribute to the needs of the saints. And so she's doing that, right? Martha's compassionate hospitality was a good thing, and it's not condemned in this passage. Her heart, however, was mixed with impurities. It's the motives behind what she's doing that is challenged. Right? She grew bitter and she grew resentful as her sister remained at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. And so that act itself would, would have drawn the ire of many rabbis and scribes who thought it was improper for women to learn in that fashion. They should, they should separate themselves. Let the men learn, uh, sit at the feet of the rabbis, and the women could be doing something different and weren't necessarily you know, always the ones... Um, um, you know, providing meals at this point, but, but they, they thought it, was, it would have been improper to be among the men in that way, learning. And so Jesus doesn't only allow Mary to remain with him, but he actually commends her for doing so, for choosing to be there. So it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Maybe you have this notion that she's sitting there kind of adoringly gazing up into Jesus, Jesus' eyes and, and just kind of admiring him. That's not what it means to sit at the feet um, of, of a rabbi. Saul of Tarsus sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And you don't picture Saul uh, looking, up, uh, looking upon his rabbi with some kind of dreamlike trance, right? Holding a sharpie in his hand like, can you sign my cloak afterwards? There, he's not admiring his teacher in that way. It simply means he's attentive, that he's, he's learning, he's, he's engaged in the instruction. So Mary here is as attentive as any student would be. The fact that Jesus encouraged women to enjoy this kind of dedicated learning was certainly countercultural, right? It would have stood out. Hendrickson says, the, William Hendrickson in his commentary says, this story and many others prove that on Christ's value scale, there is no difference between male and female. He loved all equally. Of course, he, he, he speaks of different roles for men and women to serve in, but he, his love is equal upon them. He, he does not find differences between them in that regard. So hospitality is clearly, a, uh, it's portrayed positively throughout scriptures as an act of service. We shouldn't think that Jesus is comparing the acts of these two sisters and then suggesting that, you know, if you find satisfaction in one, then you can feel free to neglect the other, right? If, if, you're, the kind of, if you're kind of a Martha and that's what you do, well, serve without complaining, Right? That's, that's really the, the lesson about Martha. And with Mary, if you like to learn, then learn and don't even worry about serving. Let other people do the work. Right? Just take that role. That's not what Jesus is, is doing here. He's not just trying to, to say, pick the one that makes the most sense to you. Um, he's highlighting the value of listening to him. He's highlighting the value of all of us enjoying being fed by Christ's word. That's the fundamental thing that all of us need more than anything else. So next, we will see that it's possible to give too much of your time. 
And that's what, what Martha expresses here in, in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. We could ask ourselves that question. Are you distracted by much serving? There's nothing wrong with Martha's act of showing hospitality. It is the internal struggle that she experienced in doing so. She's distracted by her service. She's serving at the expense of learning and growing and listening to Jesus. So Kent Hughes says, the implication is that Martha desperately wanted to hear Jesus herself. That's why she was distracted. She wanted to do that, but she allowed her sense of duty to be the host of this meal to get in the way. So the implication is that Martha desperately wanted to hear Jesus herself, to be at his feet, but she was pulled away by her duties. And that distraction means that not only does she not learn from Jesus, but she actually grows to resent him for not rebuking her sister Mary. Instead of growing in love for God and neighbor, she is filled with bitterness toward God and sister while she's trying to love her neighbor, while she's trying to love the saints by serving them. John Calvin says the hospitality of Martha was faulty in this respect. Right? He's, he's, he's acknowledged what I've just said in, in his commentary. He's, he's said that the hospitality was a good thing, but it's faulty in this respect that she neglected the main business and devoted herself entirely to household affairs. She made serving the ultimate priority, right? And the, the ultimate uh, sign that she was devoted, right? That she was going to provide the best kind of hospitality for her guests. But the problem was, in doing so, she neglected listening to Christ. And so the balance between work and rest has been established from creation. You have the Sabbath day that was given as an opportunity for man to rest from his labors that are happening on the other six days. You have various feasts that followed for extended times of rest and celebration. There's many warnings in Proverbs against the sluggard and the idle individual who avoids work. But there are also warnings about overworking. You find it in Psalm 127 verse 2. And, of course, our final goal is to enjoy an eternal rest, but that rest and the hope of that eternal rest is not present. And so we should expect to continue to work until we get there, right? to work as unto the Lord, to glorify him with all of our energy. So Jesus is not disparaging work or hospitality in this passage, but it's the neglect of the more fundamental aspect of hearing him that Martha is replacing with service. Serving God and others in our own strength will lead to unexpressed, or even in this case, expressed bitterness toward God and others. Daryl Bach says, unfortunately, when things get busy, the first thing to go is time with the Lord. And oftentimes, it's the th- that, that's the first thing we let go. We look at our schedule, our calendar, and we say, well, I don't really have time to open the Bible today. I don't have time to listen to Jesus. And I've got too many things on my plate. I've got too many things to get done. So have you learned to enjoy the rest that Christ offers? Have you learned to enjoy that? Have you learned to enjoy sitting at his feet? Have you chosen the good portion, 
That's what he calls this in verses 41 through 42. Mary has chosen the good portion. So first of all, notice that Jesus responds by saying, Martha, Martha. Martha has said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So notice that Jesus responds in such a way that he shows his concern for Martha. He's not being flippant towards her. He's not neglecting her. He's not telling her to just quiet down and he'll get to her later. He doesn't simply rebuke her. Right? He calls her name twice, which is a Jewish form of expressing intimacy and affection. We actually saw this back in Luke chapter 6, 46, where uh, there were hypocrites saying, Lord, Lord, and then not doing what he says. Right? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but not obey. So they'll hypocritically uh, not honor him. They call him Lord, but they don't honor him in their lives. So their expression of affection for Christ is out of accord with their lifestyle of sin and rebellion against Christ. But of course, calling Martha twice, calling her name twice, the, the Lord here is being, it's an expression of intimacy towards her, and it's genuine, and it would have certainly been reassuring for her to hear. So there's a, a real danger in, in being filled with anxious thoughts. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 through 23 says, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun for all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So the remedy to overwork, the remedy to anxiety or anxious thoughts is that we would simply learn to trust in God. Isaiah 26, verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And we bring our anxious thoughts to God in, in prayer. We allow the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4 and 1 Peter 5. So Martha, what should she have done at this point? As soon as she started feeling anxious thoughts, she should have stopped serving. She should have joined the group of listeners. She should have sat at the feet of Jesus. She was struggling at that point with a, a moment of self-righteous anger. She really, the one who was serving, who was, who was this example of, of trying to follow what the Good Samaritan was doing, becomes the, the self-righteous lawyer in the act of doing it. The food certainly could have waited. Sitting at the feet of Jesus should have taken precedence. And even, even now, right, anticipating the enjoyment of, of a meal as a, at our church potluck can easily supplant our enjoyment of this superior spiritual meal as we sit at the preached word. And by coming to learn from Jesus, we rest in him, and the satisfaction of our worship overflows in love for our neighbors. It's in this way both our love for God and neighbor increases. 
right, as we learn to be satisfied in Christ before we go and serve. So what this means is that our love for our neighbors must be grounded in and empowered by our love for God. So while neither activity will be excluded from a mature Christian's growth, listen to Jesus and rest in him before showing hospitality to your neighbor. Doesn't mean listen to him and neglect hospitality. Or if you're showing hospitality, we can assume that you're listening to him because obviously that wasn't the case here. Both activities take place, but, they, but one precedes the other. Right? One must ground the other activity. And listening to Jesus and resting in him must be the priority. So may we all experience this kind of intimacy with Christ each time we sit at his feet. And then having been satisfied in Christ, we can enjoy serving others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this combination of, of passages that Luke puts together for us here in the parable of the Good Samaritan and the example of Martha and Mary. Lord, the, the stories do go together and, and they teach us a principle of prioritizing listening, prioritizing being satisfied by Christ before we go and attempt to serve others. Lord, may we go serving, um, already being filled by Christ, being filled up with satisfaction in him so that we can truly serve in gratitude, that we can serve without mixed motives, or we can serve out of an abundance of, of, of joy in our salvation. And Lord, of course, even as we go and serve Having sat at the feet of Jesus, we'll continue to wrestle with this body of flesh. We continue to, to struggle with a mind that is divided, a heart that is divided to do the right thing. But, but Lord, help us to keep what is the priority here as central, that we would never neglect listening to Jesus in order to serve, as if thinking that that would be superior. Lord, help us to always find Christ our greatest satisfaction. It's in his name we ask. Amen.